Today's video is brought to you by Candid. Hey, brother. Okay, tell me if you can name this character from Harry Potter. Right hand to the big guy, will do anything for love, even switch sides, mastered legilimens, and is a whiz with ingredients. Yeah, that's right. Queenie Goldstein. Oh yeah, did you think I was gonna say someone else? Maybe like, you know, Severus Snape? Possibly the most anti-Queenie Goldstein character ever, and yet somehow they have so much in common. What gives? Well, I'll tell you what gives. Queenie and Snape are relieved. before we dive on in, I want to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Candid. If you're unhappy with your smile or feel self-conscious in photos, then why not make this the year to straighten your teeth with Candid? Think of the Candid aligners like the exact opposite of an invisibility cloak. Like you put them on and instead of making you invisible, they themselves are invisible. Not a great feature for a cloak, but it is a great feature for straightening your teeth because you can't see them. On top of that, the aligners are comfortable and removable, and most people see results in just six months. Plus, it is significantly less expensive than traditional braces, and you never have to step foot in a doctor's office or waiting room. So if you have a special event planned for this year, or you just want to have a more confident smile, be sure to go to candidco.com scb for $75 off your order. Again, that is candidco.com slash SEB. Get $75 off your order. Link is in the description down below. Okay, so to be fair, this theory has been floating around for a little while, and I have to admit that I've honestly mostly scoffed at it. But I have been digging into it a bit more, and I actually think I'm convinced. My favorite version of it, though, has to be by our good buddy Seamus Gorman. And good news, he's here! Hey, brother! Shut up, Seamus! So as you can see, we've all been putting our heads together as a team to get to the bottom of this. So the main thing that Snape and Queenie have in common that have brought a lot of people to this conclusion is that both of these characters are particularly skilled legilimens and have the ability to read minds. You're legilimens. You know how to read minds. The other two characters that would fall into this same category would be Voldemort and Dumbledore, but we can pretty easily go back in their family tree and rule them out. The question though is whether or not this unique skill is an indication of being related. Like, can it be passed down from one generation to the next? Thus far, that information isn't exactly known, but there are three other unique magical abilities that can be passed down genetically. And those three are divination, metamorph magus, and parcel tongue. Hey dude. Oh, I hit the mic, was that okay? It's just my little head. Parseltongue, as I'm sure you're aware, is the ability to speak to snakes. Salazar Sliverin was famously known for this and actually sealed the Chamber of Secrets using this ability with the knowledge that his heir would be able to open it. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> Next is a metamorph magus. Tonks is the best example of this from the books, and this means that she's able to change her appearance at will, something we know she can pass down. Remus tells Harry, I think he looks like Dora, but she thinks he's like me. Not much hair, it looked black when he was born, but I swear it's turned ginger in the hour since. Probably be blonde by the time I get back. Andromeda says Tonks's hair started changing color the day she was born. And Tonks also tells us metamorph magi are very rare. They're born, not made. Most 
Most wizards need to use a wand or potions to change their appearance. And then there's divination with Professor Trelawney, and while most of the time she's a bit of a fraud, or maybe less than you think, full video by clicking the card, she does make at least two full-on real prophecies, and her great-great-grandmother Cassandra was also a seer. So once again, we have a rare magical ability being passed down. Back to you, Ben. I looked at you like you were over there. I don't know if that was really weird. I just looked over there randomly. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to, I'll do it again, just in Scott can choose. So once again, we have a rare magical ability being passed down. Back to you, Ben. I looked there again. I Thanks, Seamus. Who said you could be in my video? Also, I can't believe you spoke parcel tongue and then completely missed the opportunity to make like some crazy prediction while you were talking about divination, like how you and Mr. Bob are gonna go on to be country music stars or something, but hey, whatever, it's your portion of the script. Anyway though, that brings us back to legilimency. And the thing that really sets apart this particular ability from the others is that it can be learned, but it definitely seems like Queenie is like a natural born. So is it the case that Snape himself is just a really good wizard and mastered this particular ability, or was he also born with it? Going back to his flashbacks, it does seem like he might have been reading Petunia's mind. Either way though, I think the answer actually lies in the opposite of legitimacy, in occlumency. Consider this, Dumbledore, who himself is an accomplished legilimens and knows that Harry and Snape have a bad relationship and who ultimately gives him private lessons one year later anyway, has Snape give Harry occlumency lessons. Do you know what that tells me? That Snape is not just like a little bit better than Dumbledore at occlumency, that he is at like God levels of skill, which I suppose is not really all that surprising anyway. I mean, he does keep secrets from Voldemort for like 15 years, even though Voldemort is like the most accomplished legilimens. The point is, this reads to me like Snape isn't just super disciplined in this field. He is actually somehow naturally gifted at it. And there are a lot of examples of this throughout the books, even before we ever learn what legilimency is. We first learn the details of legilimency in the Order of the Phoenix when Snape uses his wand and the spell legilimens to read Harry's mind, but he suspects him of using it long before then. Firstly, in the Philosopher's Stone. Could Snape possibly know they'd found out about the Sorcerer's Stone? I say Philosopher's Stone because yes, I'm please. stubborn. <laughs> could Snape possibly know they'd found out about the Philosopher's Stone? Harry didn't see how he could, yet he sometimes had the horrible feeling that Snape could read minds. Then again in Chamber of Secrets. Silence, said Snape coldly. What have you done with the car? Ron gulped. This wasn't the first time Snape had given Harry the impression of being able to read minds. And finally, in The Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry bit his lip. He didn't know what had happened and didn't want to admit it, but Snape seemed to have guessed the truth. I'm also sure there are probably loads more, but those yeah, are just the yeah. three we went for. <laughs> so yes, this is established early and often, and in each of these examples, Snape isn't using a wand. He's just staring into Harry's eyes, which implies some sort of natural ability. Plus, J.K. Rowling also once tweeted, Snape had to train a slight natural ability. Queenie was born with a great talent, though she's not infallible. So yeah, I think we're looking at someone who inherited some natural abilities, but also worked super hard at them as well. And since Queenie is the only character we know that could have passed them down, well, she's a pretty good candidate for his potential grandmother. Back to Ben. Back to you in the studio, Ben. You're also in the same studio. We're all in a studio. I was just straight over there. But you do make some really good points with one thing that I think is still kind of a big problem their last names. Queenie's last name is Goldstein, and if she ends up with Jacob, which seems like the most likely candidate as of now, then her married name would ultimately be Kowalski. And that's not immediately a problem, except for the fact that we actually know both of Snape's parents' last names. 
and their first names too, but those are less relevant. We know that Snape's father was a muggle. So in order for Queenie to be Snape's grandmother, it would have to be her daughter that is his mother. Twice removed on his cousin's fourth side or something. <laughs> Simple math, guys. But we also know that Snape's mom's name was Eileen Prince. So right there, it kind of feels like this theory is just dead in the water, except not. For one, Queenie could still just simply end up with someone else whose last name is Prince. I mean, after all, at the end of the last movie, she did walk through some scary blue flames in a graveyard and abandoned Jacob. So I don't want to say it's the worst way to break up with somebody, but at least she did it so that they could be together. Wait, is that funny? Yeah. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> It the other option though, would be that Queenie and Jacob do end up together and then ultimately change their last name, which is actually more plausible than you might think. For one, they are rapidly approaching World War II in the Fantastic Beasts series, and both the last names Goldstein and Kowalski are Jewish names. So I could see them choosing a new last name to, you know, hide from Nazis. Or perhaps on a much more wizarding world note, it could just be the case that they are both Americans and as Americans, they are not allowed to converse with one another, let alone actually get married. If we get married and they find out, they're gonna throw you in jail, sweetheart. I can't have that. So in that case, a new name might just be a way to start over. But then there's also the specific name in question, Prince. Is there any reason why these two people would choose that name? In Half-Blood Prince, the name has a bit of a double meaning. One, of course, being a nod to the fact that he's using his mother's last name and the other to the idea that it is kind of royalty. That's what makes it a cool nickname. I mean, if you think about it, the Half-Blood Smith doesn't really quite have the same ring to it, does it? But so let me ask you this. What is the grandmother of a prince called? Queen as in Queenie. Yes, it's possible for princes to have a non-queen grandmother, but if you are the queen, then your grandson almost certainly is a prince. Right, Seamus? You have royalty from where you're from, yes? Sounds right, yeah. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> confirmed. But so what about the dates? Do those line up? Can this make sense? Back to Seamus in the studio, I guess, here. They're gonna think I've like got, held you at gunpoint to let me in this video. <laughs> Actually, yes, Queenie was born in 1903 on January 6th, which I think to this date is the only important thing to have ever happened on January 6th. Like, can you imagine getting married on that day? Oh, couldn't be me. So she's 24 in 1927 when Fantastic Beasts of Crimes of Grindelwald comes out. And our best guess for Eileen Prince was that she was born somewhere near 1930, 1931. In 1996, Harry checks his copy of Advanced Potion Making for when it was published and it was nearly 50 years ago. If Snape inherited the book from his mother, which is likely because they were very poor and she bought it new going into sixth year when she was 16, she'd have purchased it in roughly 1946, meaning she was born in about 1930. Well, I'm glad you guys paid your maths budget this month. First off, Seamus, it's math, singular, just the one. And also that will leave about three-ish years for Jacob and Queenie to patch things up and have little baby Eileen. All right, so the dates do line up, the names could be worked out, and the fact that they share the legitimate skill really is a strong argument. But the other thing that really has me sold is just the sheer similarities between the character arcs and motivations of these two characters. It's super easy to not associate these two characters with each other at all. I mean, on the one hand, Snape is like dark and creepy and greasy and all all that and Quinny is like bubbly and fun and energetic. And 
blonde. But both are motivated at their core by love, and they're both misguided by this motivation. Snape ends up getting Lily Potter killed, and Queenie ends up leaving Jacob so that she can be with Jacob. And she leaves him to immediately become the right-hand man to the big bad guy, and not for nothing, but that is the exact position that we find Snape in in Deathly Hallows, a position that ultimately gets him killed. To that end, it would not surprise me if Queenie does not end up surviving this series. I mean, she literally walks through those blue flames, which might have joined her into some kind of magically binding contract. I mean, we've literally seen Blue Fire enforce that exact thing before. Harry Potter. Harry Potter! Do you watch your name in the Goblet of Fire? It says it right there. He asked calmly. Calmly. So if she does end up turning on Grindelwald, it might literally end up killing her. And as long as we're talking about turning on people, both Queenie and Snape do that too. Snape goes from bad to good, turning against Voldemort, and Queenie turns from good to bad, turning to Grindelwald. And aside from all that, isn't this just the kind of misdirect that you can totally see coming from JK Rowling? Guys, my question for you and everyone else is, what do you think is Queenie Snape's grandmother? Be sure to let us know in the towel section down below. Also guys, how great was Seamus Gorman being in this video? Let's try to hit 20,000 likes just to prove that, you know, our video was better than his. <laughs> I'm wow, just kidding. okay. <laughs> wow. 2017 Seamus is raging right now. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eileen. Also guys, don't forget to go and check out Candid. You can get $75 off your entire order by going to candidco.com slash SCB. Link is in the description down below. But guys, as always, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you'd like to see more about how the Goblet of Fire works, you can check out this video right here. Or if you'd like to go and check out Seamus's channel, you can do that right here. Otherwise, guys, until next time, bye. One more time from the top, Mr. Bob.